chapter 20, um, during the time of this passage, Hezekiah was the king of Judah. And in the Old Testament, Hezekiah is listed as one of Judah's greatest kings. But we're going to see in this passage that even one of Judah's greatest kings had faults. He was looking for peace and security in the wrong places. And we're no different. We look for peace and security in the wrong places. And the same solution that God had for Hezekiah is the same solution that applies to us today. So please stand and follow along as I read from 2 Kings chapter 20, beginning in verse 12. At that time, Merodach Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent envoys with letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he heard that Hezekiah had been sick. And Hezekiah welcomed them, and he showered them all, and he showed them all his treasure house, the silver, the gold, the spices, the precious oil, his armory, all that was found in his storehouses. There was nothing in his house or in all his realm that Hezekiah did not show them. Then Isaiah the prophet came to King Hezekiah and said to him, What did these men say? And from where did they come to you? And Hezekiah said, They have come from a far country, from Babylon. He said, What have they seen in your house? And Hezekiah answered, They have seen all that is in my house. There is nothing in my storehouses that I did not show them. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and that which your fathers have stored up till this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And some of your own sons, who will come from you, whom you will father, shall be taken away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, The word of the Lord that you have spoken is good. For he thought, why not, if there will be peace and security in my days? The rest of the deeds of Hezekiah and all his might, and how he made the pool and the conduit and brought water into the city, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? And Hezekiah slept with his fathers, and Manasseh his son reigned in his place. Let's pray. Father, your word is as timely and relevant today as it was when it was written. Father, you are going to apply your word to our hearts and our minds and our wills in a way that meets us right where we are today. So, Father, please, by your Holy Spirit, enable us to understand your scripture and to believe it and to obey it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Everybody wants a little peace and quiet, but there's one place that has taken it too far. The quietest place on earth is an anechoic chamber in Minnesota called Orfield Laboratories. And astronauts go there to train to get used to the silence of space. It's so quiet that background noise is measured in negative decibels. If you sit in the dark, you are the sound. You can hear your heart beating, your stomach gurgling, your lungs breathing. But sitting in total silence is disorienting. After 15 minutes in total silence, you begin to hallucinate. If you get up and walk, you fall over. And the longest anybody's been able to stay in this quietest place on earth has been 45 minutes, and this person had to get out. The quietest place on earth seems like a good place to find peace, but it's actually the wrong place to look for it. We all have a natural tendency to look for peace in the wrong place. We look for peace everywhere except where we'll find it, which is in Christ. And the same is true of security. In today's passage, we're going to see that we are prone to looking for peace and security in the very places where we're not going to find it. So we need to redirect our search 
recognizing that Christ alone provides real peace and security. In what wrong places do we look for peace and security? First of all, in ungodly alliances. Look at verse 12 of 2 Kings 20. At that time, Merodach Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent envoys with letters and a present to Hezekiah, for he heard that Hezekiah had been sick. Hezekiah was the king of Judah for 29 years, ruling out of Jerusalem. He was the descendant of David. He was considered one of Judah's greatest kings. He defeated Judah's enemies. He tore down the pagan idols. 2 Kings 18.5 says that Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that there were none like him among all the kings of Judah after him, nor among those who were before him. So Hezekiah was a great king, and he had two shining moments. The first shining moment came when he was 27 years old. He had a serious illness, and God told him that he was going to die. But because he wanted to protect the people, Hezekiah prayed to God to heal him, and God heard his prayer and gave him 15 more years to live, and he ended up delivering him from the Assyrians at that time. Hezekiah's second shining moment came 12 years later when he was 39. The Assyrians were encamped outside Jerusalem, getting ready to invade, and Hezekiah again begged deliverance. God heard Hezekiah's prayer, and he sent an angel of the Lord to slay 185,000 Assyrians in their camp and delivering Israel. In today's passage, in verse 12, we're going to see there's another world power, Babylon, who have sent diplomats to Jerusalem to meet with Hezekiah. Babylon was also feeling the pressure of Assyria and was apparently hoping to establish an alliance with Hezekiah. But establish an alliance with Hezekiah or any other world power is the wrong place for Hezekiah to seek peace and security. Military alliances are not bad per se. God had instructed the kings of Judah, though, not to make alliances with pagan nations, but instead to trust in God for victory. He was their God. He would fight for his people. When Hezekiah prayed, as I mentioned a minute ago, an angel of the Lord delivered Hezekiah, and God received the glory. Tiny Judah defeated massive Assyria by God's power. But Hezekiah in this passage is taking the wrong step by establishing an alliance with another nation rather than trusting in God for deliverance. The first wrong place that we look for peace and security is in ungodly alliances. The second wrong place is in worldly possessions, verse 13. And Hezekiah welcomed them and he showed them all his treasure house, the silver, the gold, the spices, the precious oil, his armory, all that was found in his storehouses. There was nothing in his house or in all his realm that Hezekiah did not show them. There are ominous forebodings in this passage. Hezekiah is a little too eager eager to display his wealth to the Babylonian visitors. He was apparently hoping that when the Babylonians saw his wealth, that they'd want to partner with him so they both could have peace and security. So we're starting to see the good king Hezekiah turn in a wrong direction. We're starting also to wonder if the Babylonians have sinister intent. Hezekiah shone when he trusted God alone. But here his character is starting to dim as he begins to trust in alliances and possession. We also seek peace and security in alliances and possessions. When I was an older teen, I would occasionally go on a date. And I remember I had set up a date with a girl that lived 
about 40 miles away from me. I lived south of Kansas City, Missouri. She lived north of Kansas City, Missouri. And so I went to my father to get directions on how to get to her house. I had her her address. And my father, without fail, is the single, or he was the single worst person to give directions ever in the history of the world. So he said, take this highway, take this exit, take this exit, go right, go left, go north, go east. And I said, okay, I got it. And so I took off. And sure enough, um, I'm the second worst person in the history of the world on directions. So I got lost. I was supposed to end up in North Kansas City, Missouri. I ended up in the state of Kansas, had to backtrack. So I picked up this girl for our first date 45 minutes late. Now, she was actually really good about it, but if I ever was looking for peace and security, I didn't have it at that moment. I had anxiety and insecurity as I head into the date. And suffice it to say, there wasn't a second date. But today, this would have never happened. Today, I would have gotten the address, taken out my iPhone, and said, take me to such and such place. The iPhone would have guided me every turn on the way there. If I would have had a flat tire, I could have asked my iPhone how to get my tire fixed. If I would have had an accident, I could have called 911. If I needed a map, I could have pulled it up. If I was running late, I could text or call the person and say, I'll be there a little bit later. So I have an ally in my pocket, my iPhone. My phone gives me peace and security. Or does it? Actually, my phone actually makes me more anxious and insecure than if I didn't have it. For example, social media such as Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat actually can increase our anxiety and insecurity. We have fear of missing out. We pull up our phone, we see that our friends are all at parties that we weren't invited to. Why wasn't I invited to this party? Why am I missing out? Or we compare the boring lives that we live with the exciting lives that people live on our phones. Everybody, I mean, every day I receive photos of people on exotic vacations around the world. And I think, why am I not on an exotic vacation anywhere? Also, we compare our imperfect faces and bodies with the perfect faces and bodies that we see on social media. And we see that we fall short. Now, we can even actually use filters and digital touch-ups to make ourselves look good in the phone But this increases our anxiety because then we begin to compare our actual body with our digitally enhanced body, and that makes us insecure as well. So what is the solution to the anxiety and insecurity from having the smartphone in your pocket? A partial solution is possibly fasting from use of your phone. Many people have told me that they benefit, and I've tried this a little bit, a couple hours a day or maybe one day a week, putting the phone aside and not even using it, so that we can use that time instead to focus in our face-to-face time with God. And it's even been studied that if you're at work trying to get a major project done, if you put your phone in another room rather than simply upside down the desk, you're going to get more done in your project, be able to focus, even not having the uh, possibility that that phone is going to go off and you're going to want to check it. So partially fasting from use of our iPhones is going to help us to focus more upon God during those times. Um, possibly Sunday afternoon, you might say, I'm going to put the phone away. I'm not going to use it. Also, many people check their phones the last thing before they go to bed at night and the first thing when they get up in the morning. And what a better solution would it be to spend time with God in Bible reading and prayer the last thing before we go to bed at night or the first thing in the morning or maybe both. So setting aside our phones for a time will strengthen our belief that Christ is actually the source of our peace and security, not our phones. 
But it's not just phones and social media that are places that we look for peace and security. We look for them in people and other possessions and achievements and recognition and alliances. Why do we do it? Why do we look for peace and security in the wrong places? Because we're proud, verse 14. Then Isaiah the prophet came to King Hezekiah and said to him, What did these men say? And from where did they come to you? And Hezekiah said, They have come from a far country from Babylon. He said, What have they seen in your house? And Hezekiah answered, They have seen all that is in my house. There is nothing in my storehouses that I did not show them. Hezekiah is flattered that this important country has come to visit him and see all that he had. But Hezekiah didn't have the advantage that we have reading this. We've read the entire Bible, so we know that Babylon is probably not his friend. Throughout the Bible, Babylon is presented as the city in opposition to God. All the way back to the Tower of Babel, where the people, the proud people, built a tower that reached into the heavens to make a name for themselves. To the Babylon of today's passage, which was the next world power coming onto the scene. To several other New Testament passages in which Babylon is depicted as world power opposing God. To the book of Revelation, where Babylon is described as the mother of harlots, drunk on the blood of Christian martyrs. Babylon, as since we have the advantage of having read the whole Bible, is not the friend of God's people. Babylon represents nations of the world opposed to God. Knowing the biblical depiction of Babylon, we realize that nothing good is going to come from Hezekiah proudly showing his riches to these visitors. Proverbs 16.18 says that pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. A humble person depends upon God, but a proud person depends on something other than God. James 4.6 says God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble Hezekiah that we learned about when I was introducing this passage, had fallen on his face to ask God for protection from his adversaries. But proud Hezekiah in this passage is holding his head high as he shows off all his possessions to the Babylonians. Proud people seek their peace and security apart from God. Ironically, whatever we're trusting in other than God will ultimately turn and destroy us. Not only are we proud, but we're blind. We don't see that the object of our misplaced trust will turn against us. Look at verse 16. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and that which your fathers have stored up till this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. Isaiah is prophesying something that's going to take place in 125 years. Babylon would conquer Judah and carry its possessions and people into captivity. Whatever we trust in other than God will turn against us. That which seduces us as our friend will end up conquering us. The object of our misplaced trust will turn against us and it will capture our children. Verse 18. And some of your own sons who will come from you, whom you will father, shall be taken away and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Some of Hezekiah's children were going to end up not merely as captives in Babylon's palace, but emasculated so that their family line would not be able to continue. Hezekiah was blind to the threat posed by his new friend, Babylon. Babylon would turn against him and capture his sons, even as objects of our misplaced trust will turn against us and capture our children. We look for peace and security in the wrong places because we're proud and we're blind to the danger. 
Where does proud and blind Pastor Greg look for peace and security? In youth sports. I remember when my adult daughter Brianna was six years old, and I was at the local rec center, and I said, I want to sign Brianna up for to play on the soccer team. He said, how old is Brianna? I said, six. He said, six years old? She's way behind. Some of the other kids who were six have been playing soccer on teams, several teams for a couple of years. They've been to clinics and camps. They've got special coaching. You've got to get her signed up right away. So he put a incredible urgency. I need to get Brianna signed up or I have to be a bad dad. And she was getting behind. So I bought in, of course, and I coached my kids in sports uh, for many years. And I sent them to camps and I got them equipment and practices. I watched videos about how to play their sports better. And I have to admit, I get a peaceful, easy feeling when one of my children gets a hit or makes a basket or scores a goal is very calming. All is well in the world if my child does well in the sports field. If the world's collapsing around me, if my child makes a good catch in the field, then I feel secure. But while I'm living in the fantasy land of youth sports, the pride in my children's accomplishments blinds me and it can blind us to the spiritual realities that the devil is after our children. The world, the flesh, and the devil seeks the souls of our children. So there's a temptation in our lives to prioritize sports events over church events. There's a temptation for games, attending games, to replace family discipleship, for tournaments to replace church participation, for seeking the glory of sports to replace seeking God's glory. It's a very real temptation in America today. We look for peace and security in youth sports rather than looking for peace and security in God. If you're on the basketball team and you score, the scoreboard lights up, the fans cheer, your teammates applaud, your name ends up in the paper, and then eventually somebody says, you know, your kid's good enough to play in college. So then you're drawn in. Who needs God if you have all these human accolades? It's easy to forget how great God is when the world's telling you how great you are. Pride blinds us to our need for God. So how can we be humble so that we can see and need God only? Well, one solution, I think a partial solution, if you are involved in youth sports or drama or music or robotics or 4-H club or anything like that, where you're getting all kinds of accolades, is to find ways to serve in quiet ways that only God and a few other people know about, like serving in the church nursery, serving on church work days or outreach events, or in the midweek children's outreach, in the Awana, or helping somebody on their farm without pay, or finding ways to serve God and others apart from the cheering crowds. We can replace pride and humility by taking these small steps to do things where nobody's noticing and nobody is praising and applauding. There's a temptation to seek peace and security apart from God through music and drama and academics and video gaming. Any of these can cause us to take our eyes off of God when we look to our own accomplishments for peace and security. So we look for peace and security in the wrong places because we're proud and blind. How can we look for peace and security in the right place? First of all, we must repent of looking in the wrong place. Verse 19. Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, The word of the Lord that you have spoken is good. For he thought, why not, if there will be peace and security in my days? On the one hand, it's good that Hezekiah states that God's word is good, then he'll submit to it. On the other hand, it appears that God, that Hezekiah is saying that God's word is good because Judah won't be destroyed in Hezekiah's lifetime. So while 
He's thankful for God's deliverance in his lifetime. He seems unconcerned that Judah would be conquered in his descendants' lifetimes. It would have been better if Hezekiah would have repented of trusting anything other than God to deliver the people, but also begged God to deliver his descendants in their lifetimes as well. The Hezekiah who had earlier earnestly prayed for deliverance and seen God send an angel to defeat 185,000 Assyrians was a far better version than the Hezekiah we're seeing in this passage, which is relieved that Judah will not, not be defeated in his lifetime. Hezekiah is one of the best kings in the history of God's people, but even this good king had faults. That's why no man or king can deliver us. We must re- repent of looking in the wrong places. We must look to Christ alone for peace and security. Verse 20. The rest of the deeds of Hezekiah and all his might and how he made the pool and the conduit and brought water into the city, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? And Hezekiah slept with his fathers, and Manasseh, his son, reigned in his place. Hezekiah tore down the idols. He stood against Assyria. He built a conduit system to bring water into the city. He accomplished much as the protector of the people. But this great leader faltered because of his pride and blindness. He began to trust in something other than God to deliver God's people from their enemies. As faithful King Hezekiah falters, we begin to see that the Old Testament system of kings, priests, temples, sacrifices, human deliverers are insufficient for our salvation. The failure of even a great king like Hezekiah shows our need for a greater king. When confronted by his enemies, Christ never falters. When faced with temptation, Christ stands firm. When Satan took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory and said, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me, Jesus replied, be gone, Satan, for it's written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Because Christ never falters, he alone gives us peace and security. Jesus said in John fourteen twenty seven. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. And in John ten twenty eight, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Christ is the only source of true peace and security. When I was in the Air Force, I remember hearing about a guy who had been 19 years in the Air Force. So he was one year away from having 20 years, which would have qualified him for a lifetime pension. And But at 19 years, he was offered an opportunity as a Christian to become a missionary. And there was some kind of missionary training that he needed to go to right then and there. So this guy, one year away from having enough time to qualify for retirement, actually got out of the Air Force and went and became a missionary, giving up the pension that he would have received beginning in a year. And I always thought this guy was the model of faith. He was going to go on the mission field and instead of partially relying on his pension, he was going to completely rely upon God for peace and security. And so I learned so much from this guy. I wish I would have met him. But here is a guy utterly depending on Christ for peace and security. He's our model. Christ is the source of our peace of security. He's the only true source of peace and security in our lives.